I uh, I don't drink like at all in my regular life, but I uh, went to Minnesota and I was like my one night of freedom, and I promptly like those ladies were just pouring it out. I heard they were strong. It was so strong, and I was just like slurping them down. It was with Ashley Gilliam, and I was yeah, yeah. like, just. I hope I said her name right. Uh, and then like could, what? Sorry, Bobby. Could, Go ahead. Could I just add, this is a in, in our parlance. I'm going to ask you to keep your powder. I knew dry. you were going to say that. Yeah, we're going to repeat this story <laughs> later. So that's fine. Okay. To the extent at which you want to share it. Oh, but, oh yeah. Uh, no, no, this is fine. <laughs> well, then let's let's hold on. Right, oh, right. oh, oh. Okay. You know, it might get better yeah. the second time I tell it. Yeah. Or worse. I don't know. Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast about the show Too Beautiful to Live. I'm your host, Meredith All the Way Mayhem, coming to you from Dallas, Texas, and on Mondays we bring you a recap of the previous week's TBTL, but today's a Friday show, which means we're bringing you an interview with a 10 and listening to a clip from the TBTL archives that they brought. Joining me today to help us get to know our guest in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, it's Bobby Pape. Hey, Bobby. Hello, Meredith. And our illustrious guest today, joining us from Gross Point Park, Michigan, is Sydney McElroy. Welcome to the show, Sydney. Hello. So today we're going to get to know Sydney. We're going to listen to and discuss a wonderful clip, and we're going to let you know how you can get involved with the show. So, Bobby, do you want to let us know what you've learned from stalking Sydney? <laughs> well, I have to confess, I have not done the best job for zelling Sydney, uh, but as she and I were just discussing with you, Meredith, off air. Um, there's not a whole lot to stalk. You're very clean and tidy online. You haven't left me a lot to work with, Sydney. Yep, no. like to keep it clean on the Facebook. Right. All the secrets are in real life. But I can say <laughs> I have had the luxury of meeting you in real life. We met at the live show in Minnesota. That we did. You were my ride, my designated driver. Although you probably yeah. weren't sober. I mean, not 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 sober, but not not drunk, so... Come on the show in the first six minutes and accuse me. I am so incredibly sorry. I love it. (laughs) Uh, No, I I was uh, reasonably responsible, and I intentionally rented a large vehicle to make sure that I could help people driving. And I believe, if I remember correctly, you stayed at the same uh, modestly appointed La Quinta Inn. Oh, yeah. We La Quinta'd with the best of them. Yeah, we did. Amy also stayed at that hotel with all of us and fed me Poncho's cheese. Not fed me Poncho's cheese. That would be like mm. a drunk driver scenario of misphrasing, but but gave me Poncho's cheese, which I immediately ate in the hotel room with a box of Triscuits. But anyway, it's not my shame we're here to discuss. It's yours. Uh, <laughs> because just before we started, you were giving us the highlights of your night in the Twin Cities at the live show, and we asked you to kindly stop so that we could share it with the audience. Oh, yeah. Uh, why don't you tell us how that night went, meeting so many of us for the first time? That way you can be in charge of the narrative. Okay. Well, here it goes. It all started with the morning. I was so excited to come, and I get this you know, text from Spirit Airlines saying my flight has been delayed. Just delayed. Okay, okay. Roll with the punches. Finally get to the airport. It's been delayed some more. So, we, as you know, we were going to all go out to dinner, have a, like a nice low-key time of it all but I ended up getting there right almost (laughs) when the show was starting and I hadn't eaten much but decided to go hard on the alcohol because it was my one night away from my family and I wanted to this was a 
this was a big occasion too. You had sort of gotten blessing and, and remind us who's at home. Um, at home is my three-year-old child. And then also, wait, who was watching my kid? No, my husband was there. <laughs> Sorry, he travels abroad a lot, so I was really kind of stretching to figure out. No, no, he had bought that. He had known it was so important to me, and he had made sure he bought the tickets and everything. He made sure to get the, the cheapest airline that, you know, would be delayed. I'm just kidding. Mm. I love my husband. but um, And so he was home with my kid, my daughter, Maria, and it was just my one night to, like, spend time with everybody who's like me. And uh, you don't find much of them here so i was really excited and then so i get there and i promptly head to the bar with ashley gilliam and i'm like pour me some vodka sodas with cranberry and i got like i slurped through the two of them probably like before 15 minutes into the show (laughs) and i was really feeling it and i was playing with amy's kid (laughs) but then (laughs) that even got too much for me so i had to make my way to the bathroom where everything was spinning and then i just started vomiting so that's my story. Aww. I did, however, have a really good outcome is that I got was put in a, um, a lift by Colleen and Christy. They're the best people. And I uh, was sent to my hotel. And I think I managed to pay my lift driver. I hope I did. I think I did. And um, I got home. But yeah, that's, that's it. So I really didn't get to enjoy much of the TBTL. And then I did have breakfast in the morning with Bobby and Ashley. Um, so that was, you know, so they kind of recounted all the night's joys. And, and then um, we got to the airport and I promptly before I uh, was out, well, I was in security and then I had to leave security to uh, go vomit in the bathroom one more time. Oh, my gosh. That's right. Yep. I'm a real lightweight. So. Let me add a few things here for context for people who weren't at the Minnesota Live Show. First, it was a delight meeting you. Oh, you were thank, lovely. thank you. Both the night of the event and the next morning you were, you know, very nice. And and uh, let me also say that for people who weren't there, the bartending staff were the, I assume, volunteers <laughs> or sort of quasi-volunteers of the Legion Hall where this happened. And they were pouring drinks for grizzled old Legion member types, <laughs> not fun little traveling tens who maybe hadn't eaten enough that day. So you were... They weren't fooling around. Well, yeah, it no. sounds like you were in good company. It sounds like a lot of people got drunker than they really kind of planned on. I think, uh, yes. yes, I think so. I think some people had more experience than that, but I was definitely in good company because there were lots of people looking out for me, which I am very thankful for. <laughs> Tens are the best. Um, That's so sweet. That they are. Taking care of you. I also piled two thirds of a Heggie's pizza on top of my booze, which helped keep it all down. Yeah, soak up that alcohol. <laughs> Uh, and one other thing, you said that the bathroom was spinning. I don't know if you remember this, but that wasn't just because of you. The bathroom was in disrepair all night. Wasn't there a story about that? Was that at the Minnesota show where Andrew came in and found? No, I'm wrong. Uh, I no, I think you're right. I know that there were some men's rooms issues. Thankfully, they're less concerning for the yeah. No, guy. the women's rooms, the women's rooms is usually much better. Yeah, and there were there was just there was a there was an older man standing guard with a plunger for a good part of the night. Oh yeah, <laughs> on the ladies' room side of things because there were the issues were so recurring. Yeah, I hope that I hope I didn't contribute to that. No, I think you may have just been a victim of it more than anything. Okay, good. I don't remember much. <laughs> if you didn't have any food in your stomach, not to get too graphic, but you probably weren't the culprit there. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> oh, but we got to take it to Groston, Yay. so that's all right. <laughs> 
Uh, and also, um, Sydney, most of what I find of you online is uh, not embarrassing drunk stories, but more your professional side of things. And I'm probably not qualified to talk about it too much, but I see medically stuff and uh, Detroit area stuff. And so I figured that you and Meredith should just have it out about your jobs. Yeah. Oh. I really want to know what you do. I'm curious. Oh, I, I'm not as much a lady scientist as Meredith. I wish I was. My uh, degree is actually in political science. Well, I, so I am a scientist, let me say. You are. But not like <laughs> a real scientist. But um, I'm actually, I work as an implementation specialist at a pharmacy benefits manager. I know. Sounds so exciting. It's, um, it's the, you know, when you get your drugs, someone has to make that system, configure it and put your benefit into it and make sure everything's adjudicating correctly and make sure, you know, if you're trying to get your drug too fast, you know, you get a refill too soon at the pharmacy and all that stuff. So that's what I do. I basically, you know, I work with files, getting eligibility and claims and to the medical vendors and whatever, whoever else wants them. And uh, that's what I do. I work for a company. Actually, I'm not going to plug it. Never mind. Ha! That's fine. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, I also see you spend some time uh, abroad. Oh, yeah. My husband is foreign. Yep. How did that happen? Oh, okay. How do you end up with a foreign husband? <laughs> okay. Well, I looked online. No, I'm just kidding. You ordered him from Russia. I ordered him from Russia. It's not a lot of the other way around. Right. <laughs> Those Russian men don't last long, but... <laughs> <laughs> but no, I uh, I went on a study abroad. It went in my oh, junior year. I don't know. I was in college at some point, and um, I went on a study abroad to Israel and the Palestinian territories. And I met my husband, who was also studying abroad from Italy. And um, you know, just looked at each other and were like, we knew it was meant to be. No, it was slightly more complicated than that. But we uh, uh, we just got to know each other, and then ended up getting married eventually. So, and you actually, talked him into moving to Detroit. Oh, you know what? I actually, it's funny you say that <laughs> because, yes, in, in a sense, I did. But he's actually right now he's uh, working in Germany right now, so he's 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 finding or he's living in uh, the German town of Mannheim, um, and uh, so he's not so much in Detroit, but. He did does like Gross Point, Meredith. I have to say, he did find it nice. So Gross Point is nice. I know it's pretty bougie. Gross Point is like the first time I was in Gross Point, I it reminded me of the Wizard of Oz when it turns from <laughs> black and white to color. Like oh literally, you can cross the street, and on one side you're being spat on by bums, and there's trash everywhere. On the other side, it's like. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's hard to describe. It's very wealthy. It's very nice. It's very like manicured and pristine. It's just night and day. For the rest yeah, of the city. It's amazing how, how fast it changes and then like how that ne there's never, it's not like a slow gradation into mm -mm. the wealth. It's just like immediate. And actually, as I, <laughs> as I said, I didn't want to plug my work. The, the people that own my company, it's a family owned business, the health plan. And um, they, they like had erected a barrier between all, like the altar road, which is like mm -hmm. the gross point. And, uh, you know, so I don't really want to. Uh, applaud them because I don't think they're the kind of people I'd want to be but yeah it's it's not good but, uh, yeah it's weird it kind of reminds me of so so our house is in Ferndale and Ooh. um yeah very fancy fashionable well fabulous fabulous is the right yeah it's fabulous Ferndale um and our house is at about eight and a half mile and so if I walk down the end of my street <laughs> and look down Livernois I can see eight mile and that street is 
patrolled like the border to Mexico or something. It's insane. There's Ferndale cops going down one side. It's a boulevard. And then there's Detroit cops down the other side um, to like make the Ferndale people feel safe. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah. Well, we're not here to discuss the state of policing in urban America. (laughs) As, as much as that's a worthwhile conversation to have, we have a different kind of worthwhile conversation to have, and that's to get to know Sydney uh, as a 10. So um, rather than my diving deeper into Sydney's LinkedIn profile, why don't you, Meredith, take her on her paces for her 10 interview? All right. So, Sydney, why don't you tell us how you found out about TBTL? Okay. Um. <laughs> I don't really remember exactly how I found out. Um, I, it probably has to be, wait, wait, don't tell me. Although I'd I'd like to have like a more interesting story than everybody else, but it's not the case. I think it's probably that. It probably led me to look at iTunes and find it. But it was in like 2010, so um, sort of around the early times, not super early. And then I think that's how I found it. That's exactly my story and exactly the same time. That's like right when I moved to Detroit and we had bought that house and I was working in the garden. I needed stuff to listen to. And so I had I had exhausted all my wait waits and I was like, I guess I'll listen to this thing that this other guy does. Yeah, I think I had moved through all the <laughs> NPR catalog and I was like, mm-hmm. let's find something else. So do you remember what, remember what your first episode was? Certainly not. I do yeah. not. <laughs> but it was in the 2010 days. It was definitely in the 2010. I, I'm trying to like think back about. So like, they were a podcast by then. It was a podcast, but I know immediately as soon as I started listening to it that, that I that I went back as soon as I realized there was a archive of it, or you know whatever the janky Cairo archive was. I was listening to the first of it because it it was like oh you missed the special times. Oh, so did you go back and have you listened to every single oh, one? Then? Oh, most, most definitely. However, if it's been a repeat, I probably might have might have skipped it. Mm-hmm. And then if it's any sport, sport ball talk, I usually turn off of that because <laughs> I just like it. It's too much. I, yeah. Jen used to be a little bit more of the like, okay, but it's like now I feel like a lot of times we get a lot into sport ball, yeah. which is fine. And I do like listening to Stubot, but I, I just it's so above my head. I don't have any interest in it. Um, do you remember which episode turned you into a 10? Like when were you like, I'm definitely in on this show? I think it was immediate. Honestly, I just listened and it just, the amount of fun they were having, it was like, I don't know, it was kismet. I was just like, oh, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt too. Um, have you had any TV tale appearances, any emails, voicemails? I'm not a big email. No, I don't. I think the only email I might have had, and I don't even think it was attributed, was when I was like, I, re- I emailed in probably annoyingly, like, do you actually ever edit the show? And they were like, uh, no, you dummy. We don't edit this show. And I was like, but I find that I don't, I don't know if I can come across as funny on email. So I just was like, I, or, not like that I'm funny in real life, but I just get intimidated by it. So no. Well, it's hard to communicate tone in email. Right. Very exactly. true. What was irritating you about the editing or the lack thereof? Oh, I, I don't know if it was really irritating, but I think it was more like, am I missing something? Because I don't want to miss anything. But lucky for me, they don't edit anything. So I, I don't. Think oh, I'm so you thought anything. maybe they had edited out some important plot point. Yeah, but no, in reality, yeah. they were just, they just didn't tell a story very well. Right. Yes, exactly. I thought they're like, oh, yeah, I know. Because they're always like, we'll edit this out. So I'm thinking maybe they do edit stuff out and I'm missing it. But no, they don't. So yeah, I'm pretty sure that's just a running joke now at this point. Yeah, no, I got, I got it now. Out. Yeah. Me, me as a, you know, older adult, I understand it now. Yeah. 
Um, okay. Do you have a favorite drop? My favorite drop has to be the woman screaming from lightning. <laughs> because yeah. honestly, I it's in my head. I, I know it's Jen in my head, although it's not Jen. I, I realize that. But it just sounds so much like Jen to me that I just I, it elates me every time I listen to it. Although, you know, there's so many other good drops as well. That drops, it, it freaked me out a little bit once I realized what it was because it's genuine terror. No, right? yeah, no. Now you're going to make me feel bad. But. No, no. I love it too, believe me. But the first time I realized what it was, I was like, oh, we're all laughing at this? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I still do. Maybe I should do the hooray for you. I love that one too. All right. Now our favorite question, why does TBTL matter to you? Okay. So... TBTL matters to me because when I first started listening to TBTL, I was 20 and I was suffering from kind of a severe anorexia and I was, this is going to get a little intense, sorry guys. That's okay. And I was really sick and I, you know, there wasn't really anything helping me get out of it because my parents had exhausted all their efforts and it was just like it came down to I have to get myself better and I wasn't really motivated by anything except then I heard TBTL and I thought wow these people are having a lot of fun and I I want to have that kind of fun and you know I realized I can't have that kind of fun if I'm you know wrapped up in an illness that's you know takes over your brain and so honestly I credit TBTL and the community and although I'm not so participatory in it with getting me better because I really think had I not heard it, had I not had that impetus to move forward with my life, I wouldn't be where I am today. And uh, so that's, you know, it's hard to explain how special it is to me because I really, it's, it's just, it's just what caused me to be here today. Cause I think honestly, I would just be suffering with an illness right now if it wasn't for TBTL. Wow. Yes. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. No, that's great. Not only am I happy for you, but I'm just happy we finally got a different answer to that question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I can remember it. See, I wish I had the episode, but I, w- I remember I was shopping late at night, like at a Kroger, like some weird anorexia, like I'm going to eat at night and, you know, and I just was listening on my headphones and like hearing and I think it was, the, you know, it was obviously the time where Vanessa was there and they were just like laughing and having the best time. And I thought like, God, I want to have that too. No, it really was like the catalyst to changing my life. So it's honestly, it's it's so important to me. So no matter what happens, I'm I'm in. That's incredible. I'm so thank glad you. that that it was there for you, and I'm so glad that you're better. Well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's been a long time since then. I've had a child. Yeah. I'm married. It's it seems like forever ago, but it's like I'll I'll never forget that feeling of like hearing it and just being so inspired. And mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's yeah. Wow. I think TBTL has actually been there for a lot of people to varying degrees in much more sincere ways than people might realize. I know, you know, my story and a lot of people are like mine where I just moved and I had already sort of heard some TBTL, but I didn't have any friends around and suddenly I had a long commute and TBTL was my friend, you know, on the train Mm -hmm. basically when I first started listening Mm -hmm. regularly. And other people have stories like that where they're going through a change or need to go through a change. Yours is a little more dramatic than a lot of people's, but it's nice to remember once in a while that these guys uh, playing grab ass an hour a day. (laughs) 
It's actually doing some good in the world. Yeah, it's about a lot more than just what they're talking about. It's the community that we've built. Yeah. It's just, you know, how Jenny used to say, solving global loneliness and how she always wanted her MacArthur genius. Like, she, (laughs) you know, it's it's hard because I don't know Luke and Andrew and Sean and Jen, but it's, or I've met them maybe, but they don't know me. And it's just like, I really want them to know, like, you guys, you make a difference for a lot of people. You know, even I go back regularly and listen to the archives when I'm feeling down because it's it's just so special. You know, I think if you wrote an email to Luke and told him your story, you might, might, might get an email back. I might. Oh, my God. Not that auto reply. <laughs> I think you know that's what's, your best bet. <laughs> you know, what's great about Luke is I've, you know, I've met him. I, I went to my first show in Chicago in 2011, I think I was at, at the Shuba show. And I like... And I met him, and I met him and Peter Siegel. And then I saw him in Minnesota years later, and he was like, oh, hey, I, you know, it's amazing his um, ability to remember people. Yeah, that's it's what just, a lot of people say, that he remembers it, it their really names is. after it, meeting them once. And, yeah. He does. And when he, you know, he read my name as a donor, he remember, I'm like, how do you remember? I mean, like, you've met so many people. It's kind of crazy. I, I'm convinced that that is one of his charming tap dancing skills that has gotten him as far as he's gotten. Oh, I'm I mean, sure. He's a great presenter, and he's so personable, mm-hmm. and, and I think there are a lot of qualities that make him very good at the kind of work that he does. But from a networking perspective, I think the number one thing he's got going for him is that he never forgets anyone. <laughs> Unlike Ira, who forgot Andrew. And had... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor Andrew. Poor Andrew, I know. Poor Andrew. That's what I say. Poor Andrew. Um, speaking of poor Andrew, you've picked a clip from well before his time. I know. And I don't, I don't want, I don't want that to count against Andrew. I, I, you know, I feel like the early years were, I mean, they're all special, but I feel like the early years is really, it was really hard to find a clip that I thought this is what the best clip because they're all great. Yeah. But yeah, I had to take an early one with Jen. Look, Luke remarried. We're not saying you have to call Andrew mom. We're just saying I know, he's there I know. You need to talk. <laughs> I feel bad, though, because, you know, he's so sensitive. He, he's so sensitive. I feel bad. Let me just, like, insult him. But Well, he's um, never going to listen to this, so don't worry I about know, it. I know. Okay. <laughs> I know. But I feel bad because, you know, I, I really like Andrew. I love what he brings to it. It's just different. It's just like a just a different, just a different kind of animal, and I... I love the early years. I got, I love, you know, the interplay between Sean and Jen and Luke and everything. It was just, it was just fantastic. And then they had the Grizza and then Silent Nick and, you know, all those people. And it's just hard because it's different now, but you know, it's all enjoyable. Although I wish they would do more editing. I, in a little bit more direction <laughs> of the show. I know I'm going to say it here. Hey, that's Maybe what the show is for. This is, this is where we vent these sort of things. Yep. I have to say, I wish they would do a little bit, a little bit more editing i god now i feel like i'm like talking about against my child of i don't want to say that but it, it's hard because it when i listen to the early shows it it's just it's so different yeah it is yeah well speaking of the early shows a real transition now uh you've brought us a clip from april 3rd 2008 this is most of the third hour of that night uh, and it's a traumatic experience that Jen had taking Mr. Knightley to the vet. Not the regular vet. No, not the real vet. Not the real vet. No. Not Dr. <laughs> Ann. A, a vet. Uh, we're going to take a listen and then we will come back and talk about it. So here we go back to 2008 for our trip to the vet with Mr. Knightley. You are now joining Too Beautiful to Live with Luke Burbank. Already in progress on News Talk 710 
Cairo. It's not advice, it's sharing information from the heart and spiritual level. Mm-hmm. You've been living in the monkey house. Drew came here today to make an important life-changing announcement. So let's everybody stand up for this. Shoot me! This tiny guy always worries. And that happened. This is TBTL on News Talk 710 Cairo. Welcome to the 9 o'clock hour of our program. This is, I think, if memory serves, episode 64. Uh, Thursday night, thanks so much for spending some time with us, for caring and sharing on the radio dial. Uh, And uh, when it comes to caring and sharing, I don't think uh, anybody cares or shares more with their dog than Jen and Jason, the dog named Mr. Knightley. Uh, and Jen, today when we met for our pre-show meeting, because mm-hmm. that's how thorough we are on this program, we have a meeting before the meeting just to establish what's going to get talked about in the meeting. Right. You looked out of sorts. It seemed you had been crying. I was worried that Jason had you know, raised a hand to you or something, which seemed out of character for him yes. from what I know. <laughs> Uh, but no, it was actually something much worse. Yes. It was abuse of a veterinary variety. And it was pointed, <laughs> and it was emotional, and it got right to right to the core of who I am, which is a really good dog owner. Or so you thought before <laughs> today. What happened when you went to the vet today? Well, the first problem is that our real vet, Dr. Anna, is out of the country. Real vet. And <laughs> she... Loves us and supports us as good dog owners. Enables. And I think has is another never way that said a mean word. So we saw someone else, and he came in. And the reason that we took Mr. Knightley to the vet is because he was excessively crying out of one eye, which he's never been a crier. He's never been a crybaby. Yes. So he was like crying out of, of one eye, and uh-huh. so I looked on the internet. Is it possible it was raining on his face? It is. Or that he'd been making a lasagna for one, <laughs> which we all know involves chopping onions. Is yes. that? Did you even think about that when you were going through the diagnosis? Well, what I did was use my St. Regis degree, uh-huh, which uh-huh. told me that he probably had a scratched cornea uh-huh. so or kidney failure. <laughs> one or the other. It was one or the other. Okay, you'd narrowed it down to yes. scratched cornea or kidney, kidney failure. failure. Right. I volunteer with children who have muscular dystrophy. <laughs> sure. I mean, you know a lot about the body, be it dog or human. Right. So we went in, and he did all sorts of tests on Knightley's eyes and basically said, there's nothing wrong with his eyes. He's just having – he's excessively tearing, and who knows why that happens, and it'll probably go away. But there's no scratches of any kind, and he does not have kidney failure. I found out that the way you know that your dog might have kidney failure is excessive drinking of water. So it has nothing to do with their eyes tearing. Okay. Okay. Why so. – did you go on, like, dog web MD? I looked in um, – I just Googled – my dog is crying. <laughs> That's you actually Googled my dog is crying. Yes. And there's a lot of information and kidney failure came up. So when I told the doctor I think that he has kidney failure, that's maybe where we got off on the wrong foot. Look it, it's plain and simple. It's bullshit. Did you go to the Jenny McCarthy <laughs> Did you do a graduate program in Google? Yes. University of Google? You Google my dog is crying and what comes up? Hopefully not in, like, porno or something. No, no, no. What comes up is tons of chat rooms Mm -hmm. where people have said that Mm -hmm. in their chats. And then people respond, say, oh, yes, I've had that problem. It was kidney failure. 
Mm. Or, oh, yes, I've had that trauma problem. It was a scratched cornea. So right. I had narrowed it down to those two things. And so I was trying to be helpful to the doctor by saying, right. I think it might be kidney failure or scratched cornea. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of annoyed right from the beginning. And then he did all the tests and there was nothing wrong. And he said, you know, everything's fine. Your dog's just crying excessively. Don't worry about it. And he could tell, I think, that I wasn't happy with that diagnosis. So then, as he's putting Mr. Knightley off the uh, examining table onto the floor, he said, if you really want to know what's wrong with your dog, he's fat. (gasps) I know. No way. I said, no, he's not. He just came right out and said... And he used the fat word. He didn't say he weighs too much. Yeah, he might be a little overweight or maybe, you know. He said, he's fat. Your dog is fat. That's the problem. That's something a, a dog parent particularly one with a degree from St. Regis, never thinks they're going to hear. No. It's a diagnosis you're never prepared for. No. And I said, that's not true. He goes running all the time. And he looked at me and he said, are you a runner? Like he didn't think I was a runner. Whoa, this guy sounds like he got his degree at Judgment Tech. I know. And I said, no, I'm not a runner, but Jason is. And he looked over at Jason and said, oh. He said, well, how I have you- seen, let me just say for the record, I have seen Jason and Mr. Knightley Running around Lake Union, which in is the seven miles rain, in the pouring rain. Yeah, Mr. Knightley runs. He is an incredibly active dog. So I said he is not fat, and he runs He's all just the time. Big boned. <laughs> and so then he said to me, "Listen, just like that. Listen, your dog is gonna have arthritis. He is. That's just it. You can make it easy for him by having him be skinny when he has arthritis, or you can make it hard for him by having him be fat with arthritis." And what I would, did you say? I Jason, just were was you there like was stunned. Jason's in the in the studio as well, as is the the dog in question, the the I would say somewhat corpulent dog in question, Mr. Knightley, <laughs> no, who isn't. is well true to form, midway into a rawhide bone meant to last an entire week, and lying on the carpet. No, seriously, though, all joking aside, Jen, because I know this is, at some point will start to really hurt your feelings. He, I've met Mr. Knightley a few times, and he seems like a completely and totally height, weight, proportional fit guy. Well, so then we put him on the scale, and he weighed 65 pounds. And he looked at me and said, he needs to be at 60, and you should get the, those five pounds off by the end of the year. I'm like, five pounds does not make somebody fat. And what's I, I don't understand? Does is it that is he supposed to be sixty pounds for the rest of his life? Is yeah. he supposed to go down five pounds every single? No, he wants him at sixty pounds. That should be his like adult weight. Let's see if we can get. Can we see if we can get Mr. Knightley on, on um on mic here? We have a. This is usually the push up mic, but tonight we'll use it as the um, the the Mr. Knightley mic. Can we get him to come up here and say hi? He's just chewing on a bone very happily. Come here, come here. Who's your precious boy? Hi. You want to maybe, say something? Maybe, maybe tell them the mic's made of peanut butter. What's Fat people on? love that. What's happening? What's going on? All right, he's just he's, he's just walking talking. around. He's, he's a little he looks a little he looks a little uh, you know a little confused actually, but but Hi, he seems like a sweetheart of a guy. What kind of dog is Mr. Knightley, by the way? He is lab kind of husky mutt. He's got a lot of things in him. He's really pretty. He's uh, white color with some yellow on his back. How old is Mr. Knightley? He's going to be nine in July. Well, let me tell you, in dog years, that's, what is that, 63? It's 50. Isn't it seven? No, that is not true. I learned that from Google. <laughs> I found a chart. Look it. It's plain and simple. It's bullshit. He's only 50. Hi, well, buddy. Well, anyway, I'm just saying, if I look as good as Mr. Knightley when I'm 50, I will be very happy. He seems to be a, a pretty a pretty wicked guy. So what then, uh, let me ask, did you do? Well, 
I said, listen, I give him a mug. I give him a mug and a half of food. Of whiskey. <laughs> like a coffee oh, no, mug true. and a half of food in the morning and a mug and a half of food at night. And he said, I don't know what mug means. You need to use a measuring cup. Is this the doctor from Knocked Up, the really angry Asian no. doctor? Like, you don't know what mug means? Let me try to help you out. This guy sounds like he has the worst bedside manner of any, you know, doctor of anything. He did. As Jason said, he was very sarcastic and quite a know-it-all. And Jason doesn't usually cast aspersions. No, Jason is uh, not an aspersion caster no. at all. He's an edifier, and I think that's what we all <laughs> like about him. Um, wait. And then he said, and by the way, with the running, I, I get a lot of women come in here with their dogs, and they're like, I'm training for a triathlon. I say, yeah, I can tell your dog's legs have turned to stubs. So which is it? Well, he said he doesn't really, he said he's all about calories in, calories out. He said, I'm really an Atkins man. You should be giving him protein food. You're, what, your vet is an Atkins man? Yeah. Didn't that guy drop dead? <laughs> yes. The, the guy the diet's named after? Yes. Uh but I also, it sounds like you're getting mixed messages from him because at first it sounded like he was skeptical about your running bona fides. Mm -hmm. But then he also says, don't run too much with the dog because their legs turn into stubs. Yeah. What, what he basically said is that my dog is too fat to run that far, that it's putting too much strain on his joints. All right. So this guy, this guy sounds like he was a, not a, uh, he did not do a good job of, of, of saying this stuff in a way to you that would actually get through because it sounded like he was saying it kind of an accusing way or you were at least hearing it that way. Let's just but let me ask you this. If the if he had presented this information in a more like respectful, non judgmental way, do you think it's possible that Mr. Knightley could stand to lose five pounds? No. And furthermore Doctor Anna <laughs> who's always very loving to me, she does her exams on the floor. She gets down on the floor where Mr. Knightley is and does her exam from there. But this man insisted that we lift Mr. Knightley up onto the examining table. So right there, I just knew he doesn't care about Mr. Knightley like Dr. Anna does. What does Dr. Anna say about uh, his weight? He, she never says anything except that he's such a good boy. Do you think just maybe... a precious boy. I mean, I'm not trying to side with this guy. What was his name, Dr. what? Dr. Jerkington? Yeah. I'm I didn't even... I'm not, try, I'm not trying to side with this guy, but I'm saying like, if if is it possible that in in there in that really bad, uh, hard sarcastic shell there underneath that was a little nugget of something that would make Mr. Knightley's life better. In other words, might it be worth him losing the five pounds just so he can have a really happy life in the last third of his? Well, first of all, I, first of all, I would do anything for him to have a happy life. Yes, I know that. Second, I'm, not, I'm not questioning that. Second of all, I would like you to do something. Okay. There is a test that you do to see if your dog is overweight, and okay. you feel down their torso of their body, and if you can feel their ribs. All right, I'm coming over okay. to the nightly mic, although now right. nightly. Hi, you sweet thing. Okay, and I just feel. Can you feel his ribs? I can. I can feel right his. Right in here. Get in there. Okay. See? I can feel, feel those. Well, yeah, but you know, you could probably feel Wayne Cody's ribs <laughs> when he was alive if you just pushed through enough subcutaneous, uh, you Does know, Does that feel like stuff. a lot of fat to you? It feels like a good winter coat that could probably use five pounds less. <laughs> I mean, I, he, I, I think, you know what, I think that Mr. Knightley is exactly like me. Would you describe me as fat? No. But could never. I, could I lose five pounds? Probably. I think that, I th and you will. And I will. I will with this marathon training. I think, I think, Jen, that he... I think he seems like really healthy, but much like I'm always weighing myself before every show and doing these 
uh, you know, elaborate schemes to try to lose weight, mm-hmm. such as training for a marathon with a 72-year-old. Mm-hmm. It's because for me, you know, if I keep that five pounds off now, I don't have to do it when I'm 55. And I, I feel like this doctor, Dr. Jerkington of <laughs> Judgmental Tech, I think he probably did a bad job of saying it. But is it possible, Jen, that this is you're 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 kind of interpreting this as a like a, a a diss of you as a dog owner and maybe you could be thinking about Mr. Knightley's overall health is that possible well it's absolutely true that i interpreted it as a diss because it was there was no interpretation necessary and i am willing to i agree that he is going to have arthritis and i want him to be able to get up and down but i know this dog really well and if he's yeah. starting to have troubles i will know he will tell me He's, we sleep together every night, for God's sake. Well, uh, this brings us to the ne- to the next thing, which is how the heck do you two full-size adults, very fit but very full-size adults, Jason, you're 6'2", Jennifer, you're about 5'10", maybe 5'9", mm-hmm. 5'9", mm-hmm. and Mr. Knightley, who's a very... 65 pounds. Good size. Yeah, we now know 65 pounds. This is, I assume it's a California king you guys are in every night? No, it's a queen. Oh. <laughs> how... In fact, do you sleep? Like, what's the arrangement? Well, Jason and I t- tend to have to hug the edges. Can we, Chunk, can we turn on a mic for Jason, too, please, if that's possible? So Jason and I tend to hug the edges because Mr. Knightley likes to kind of spread. You know, one thing that's true about dogs that I also learned from Google is that when they expose their genitals, it means that they're... <laughs> <laughs> Keep going, because this is going to be the best drop we've ever had on this show. Could you when, just start over? Yeah. When a dog exposes his genitals, it means that he trusts you, that he's been well taken care of and loved. And so every time that Mr. Knightley rolls over on his back and exposes his genitals, it warms my heart. <laughs> I really wish you could have said that without laughing, because that would be... Try to say it one more time without laughing. I know that there's no way, but just try. Uh, whenever Mr. Knightley rolls over and exposes his genitals, it warms my heart. <laughs> way to go, Jen. That's going to be so fun to use. Um, so, so anyway, he likes to be kind of in the middle. So Jason and I will be on, on either side of him. He'll be in the middle, and he will be on his back. And he likes one paw up in the air, mm-hmm. and then one paw kind of tucked in. But what happens... How do you even move in the bed? There's no rolling over for no, the No, and I don't like to move at all because I don't want him to feel like he is inconveniencing us. Because as soon as he feels that he's inconveniencing us, he leaves. Jason, so how's your sleep been since this started? Which I guess was at the beginning of the relationship, at the beginning of the marriage. Was Mr. Knightley always there? Uh, well, almost. Uh, almost, because he's nine and we're tomorrow is ten years. So hey, congratulations. Why, well, thank you. Uh, actually, what happens generally is that... Jen really likes him to come into the bed, and then she gets, as you probably know, she's um, she likes her things exactly like she likes them. And sure. so within sure. about 10 seconds, she's dissatisfied. And so then she makes makes him move about six inches, and he has to get up and harumph Which apparently is hard because he's fat. <laughs> so um, it's a process of him moving around the bed at Jen's whim to get him in just the right spot. But, I mean, it just seems that the simple... A geometry of it is that there's no way, there's not enough bed for two grown adults and a dog. So you must be on the very edge and also unmoving throughout the night as long as Mr. Knightley's there. Is that about right? Yes, I can fall asleep anywhere at any time, and I usually do have about eight inches on the on the edge. But it's but whatever fine. position we go to sleep in, we need to stay in that position. <laughs> Does Knightley stay in the bed through the entire night? No. no. 
No, he he, he leaves probably, you know, uh, two or three in the morning. Because even he thinks it's creepy. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's true. Like, it's barely sentient. And he's like, there's something not right about this. He's really, really smart, though, because any time that the romance begins, he hops right up and leaves. Like, he knows instantly. The romance. Yeah, I, I, it's not that kind of show, but we could have we could do a whole episode about pets witnessing romance and what that may do to he, them. He doesn't witness it. He leaves. He's very smart. I know, but would you feel like it would be, if he was to be witnessing romance, would you say, nightly, get out of here, buddy, not for you? I not- would, and I would remind him, I don't watch when he goes poo. I know you don't. <laughs> I know you don't. Oh, well, so Jen, where does this where does this all leave us now? Uh, you you had your feelings hurt by this doctor. Thank God, uh, Doctor Anna comes back. I'm sure soon, and yes. you'll be able to utilize her services. Are you going to try to slenderize Mr. Knightley a little bit? Well, we're we're dealing with this in our in our marriage right now because Jason thinks that it's actually not about the food. He thinks it's about my giving of the treats. And I'm not willing to stop giving him treats because ever since he was little, the way that we trained him was whenever he did something good, he got a treat. But, but so, you said to me before the show that you give him a treat every time he goes to the bathroom. Every time he goes potty. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell you. That's bu- something good, isn't it? Bu- buffaloes do that in the prairies of Wyoming with no <laughs> treats involved. That's a kind of a part of the, you know, animal condition. That's going to happen either way. He doesn't need to be treated. that's part of our contract. The contract is every time his body has amassed in his bowels and really passing through like his liver and kidneys enough waste, enough unusable stuff that it then expels it. It's as it, every animal has done since time immemorial. When he does it, when Mr. Knightley does it, that's a medical miracle. No, it's about where he does it. Ah, uh, okay, okay. He gets okay. rewarded for doing it outside instead of inside. Okay, now that now that I can. I and can he get hasn't it done it inside since he was five months old. And that's because of my treat system. <laughs> Can you go down to a lower fat treat? What's the treat right now? Like well, a, I showed a, this. A Sunday from Ferrell's? <laughs> Do you I make sh- it like a clown with an upside down sugar cone and beat a drum? Because would, that would not surprise me. I showed this horrific man some of the treats <laughs> that I give him. I, they're all organic. They are no antibiotics, no preservatives, no, no growth hormones. And he looked at it and said, this is a bull penis. <laughs> Do we get that one, Sean? Are you rolling? <laughs> we got that. <laughs> this is the most drop-rich segment we've ever done. Genitals and bull penis. <laughs> and I said, no, it isn't. It's organic. And he goes, yeah, it's very organic bull penis. And well, how I fattening said, is bull penis? I, said, well, I mean, I've been told not- that it's good. I've been eating it for, I mean, who knows? This is exactly what I said. This cannot be that bad for him. And he said, listen. If you don't care that that's what he's chewing on, what do I care? I mean, at this point, well, we that's were just the like... weirdest. It sounds like this guy had a very adversarial relationship with you because, like, I, I love that he's acting like you're a neglectful parent because, look, any part of the bowl you're eating is gross if you think about it long enough. It's skin, it's tissue, it's muscle, it's whatever. So if it happens to be his dong at its origin, who it's not any less gross than his hoof or his kneecap or his elbow. So the fact that he was somehow. Uh, chastising you over this. That that doesn't seem right. No. Well, you didn't give the context that the... You know what? Let's do this. Let's take a break because we have to uh, <laughs> break for the news. But but uh, Mr. Knightley, can you stay? <laughs> okay. We're going to keep Mr. Knightley over. Maybe Jason. Probably not Jen. And we'll have a really interesting conversation after the news. Uh, this is TBTL. Don't go anywhere because you're listening to News Talk 710 Cairo. I'll say, I'll say what's up, dog. Live from Seattle, 
This is TBTL on News Talk 710, Cairo. Oh, Stewardess, I speak Jive. Oh, good. All right, we're going to do the news, as you can hear, in just a moment. Uh, I want to tell you, though, that coming up after that on TBTL, we will have a little bit more on the uh, mysterious case of Mr. Knightley uh, and whether or not he could stand to lose a couple. Um, And then the Web Gems, which is our favorite new segment, mostly because we have an awesome sound effect for it. First, though, a break for news. It's TBTL, News Talk 710 Cairo. This is Jay-Z calling on behalf of Elphis. I like turtles. This is TBTL on News Talk 710 Cairo. I don't know why every night on the show isn't Bring Mr. Knightley to Work night. Because it's just so much more fun with a, a live animal running around in the studio, and I'm, I'm not being sarcastic at all. I mean, we're, I guess we're all live animals to a degree. Now, Jen, I can see at the website, mynorthwest.com slash TBTL, uh, you have now uh, put up a photo of Mr. Knightley. Yes. Your dog, which, just to recap for people that may have missed it, uh, Jen and Jason went to the vet today because uh, Mr. Knightley was crying uncontrollably, possibly because of his weight. <laughs> No, uh, they w- took him in because he was having some crying problems. Turns out the crying was not an issue, but the vet, not your regular vet, said that uh, Mr. Knightley was is fat and has to lose five pounds. And now you put a photo up, and I'm going to tell you, in this photo, Mr. Knightley does not look fat, but neither do I in my MySpace pictures. <laughs> so I, I say we bear that in mind. Now, Jason, before we were going to the break, you said there's a, maybe a reason why this fill-in veterinarian, as we've named him, <clears throat> Uh, Dr. Jerkington the third. <laughs> There's a, maybe a reason why he was not in a great mood. What had happened to him? Well, he said that his previous patient was a cat, and the cat actually bit him in the hand during his examination. So I think he came in a little bit frustrated. But I also think that he had a dry sense of humor, and I don't think that I think he would be horrified to know that Jen thought he was being mean. He would not be horrified. I think he was just I trying think that's to be his funny. Thing. You think so? This thing is horrifying people? Yes. <laughs> Seems like a, a unfortunate thing when you're in the, you know, veterinary yeah. industry. Um, he really didn't seem like he liked animals that much. Well, he'd just been bitten by a cat. <laughs> Although you would think, honestly, that that would be a pretty common, like, that would be happen a couple times before 11 o'clock if you were a vet and you're handling animals. Right. Well, and and his whole thing too about how your your dog can't tell you when you're overrunning them. They they can't say, "I want to stop because I'm fat." <laughs> so you have to be the one to k- keep track of all of this. Well, I actually, I I think there might be some validity to that. I took my dog who named Flea, who now lives in L.A. Um, the uh, one of the many things that I lost in the divorce. Uh, when we lived in Seattle and I had the flea dog, who's a boxer, I took her on a uh, nine-mile run one time. Because do- boxers are supposed to be dogs that like to run. That's one of the things about them is that they have a lot of energy. And she pulled something in her leg on this nine-mile pretty flat run. And was really it was it was with her for, well, the last time I saw her was a few months ago. I mean, it was with her up until then. So I think there's something to that saying, like, when you – 
don't you think when you see someone running around Green Lake and they're really fit and the dog's like a corgi and its <laughs> legs are like made out of Legos and it's trying to run, you're thinking, I don't know if the dog wants to be on that run. Yes, I totally agree. And what I am here to tell you is he's he kept saying your dog can't tell you. And what I'm trying to say is my dog can tell me. My dog tells me all of his needs. He tells me how he's feeling. I know everything going on with him. I think that um, you're not really going in a direction that's going to make people think that you're not crazy <laughs> with that. Do you, how does Mr. Knightley communicate these things? Well, like when he's feeling in pain or he has a stomach ache or something like that, he comes and he wants to be a lap dog. Now, he does weigh 65 pounds. He is not in any way a lap dog, but he'll come and, and do this thing where he gets his front paws up and then he'll try to get all the way up onto my lap. And that's when I know that there's something wrong. Um, hey Jason, have you witnessed this behavior? Yes. And you would concur? Yes. So when he's not feeling great, he climbs up. But how would that demonstrate that like a run, he wasn't up for a run? Well, I don't do the running part, but Jason okay. tells me that he knows instantly when Nightly is hot enough and they stop and they just walk home. I can tell by the uh, amount of pull he has mm. on the leash when he's done. What's he, what's he usually top out at? Uh, he can only run about f probably four or five miles now. He used to go on 20-mile runs with me. Really? Yeah, and, and this is, I learned a few things the hard way about Mr. Knightley. When you almost killed him at Green Lake? Yeah. Come on One now. time Come at on. Green Lake, Come he on. had to lie down after the run, and, and it was a really hot day, and it took him about 45 minutes to be able to stand up, and I actually thought I'd killed him. I, I mean, oh, I was geez. in tears. So I, you know, I've learned I mean, my lesson about running him in the warm weather. The hell that you were putting yourself through was <laughs> not even a taste no. of the hell that Jennifer... Well, I, I don't think we'd be talking to you today. No, no. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, I think although, that would have been the end of it. Although I do have to say that um, when Knightley was six months old, he ran in the street and got hit by a car and was bleeding and we thought dead. And uh, Jason carried him to our car and crawled into the back of the car and he was laying with him in the back of the car and I was driving and we were driving to the emergency room and I called back to Jason and said we need to make a decision right now about how much money we're willing to spend because when we're in the moment we're not going to be able to think rationally. I can't believe you were thinking of this stuff. I know so I said to him we need to make this decision now how much are we going to spend and he called from the back anything so that so he loves the dog just as much as I do. Oh, I think I think that it's clear that the feeling is mutual. But I, Jen, I can't believe you were doing that kind of on the fly. Uh, do you remember this happening, Jason? Oh yeah. Okay, because sometimes I don't. You know, I think there's a certain amount of, uh, you know, revisionist history. Like yes, Jen might have yelled, "It's going to be so much," <laughs> and then she remembers it as. Okay, we need to kind of figure out, based on the 401ks, what we have here. But well, she, what happened was we decided on $500 before we got in the car and we're on the way to the vet. 500 bucks? Uh-huh. Which, interestingly, in eastern Washington got the whole thing done. Well, what happened was we sa they said he actually is not dead. He has a broken leg. And, um, you know, we can repair it. He'll have to spend the night. We have the technology. Yeah. I mean, you could get a bionic dog in eastern Washington for, I would say, like 50 or 60 yeah. pesos. So then I said to the doctor, well, all I have is 500. I was kind of going to see what was going to happen. So I said, well, all I have is 500. And he goes, we, we can do it for 500. So we worked out. And then deal. six months later in Seattle, we had to, one of the pins worked its way loose. And he had to go to the vet and get the pin removed. And that cost the same amount just to get the pin out. <laughs> 
in Seattle. That's the difference in vet cost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there's not a lot of negotiating with Seattle vets either. So just to recap, uh, a medical doctor of veterinary medicine anyway says the dog's probably too heavy and you don't believe it. And you tried to (laughs) chisel down the Eastern Washington doctor after the dog had been nearly killed. So, yeah, I would say owner of the year. (laughs) Definitely owner of the year, Chad. Uh, well, he seems, Mr. Knightley, every time you guys have gone out of the studio, he's just sat by the door looking at, for you guys and in, in a very cute little sitting position. Jason and I are going to try to get a picture of him with headphones on because we thought that would be funny because dogs rarely wear studio quality headphones. <laughs> and I think that that incongruity of that photo would be very humorous. Sure. So we're going to sure. take a break. We're going to try to get a picture of Mr. Knightley with uh, some headphones on. And then when we come back, we'll throw a couple web gems your way. Um, uh, and I think we'll call it good on episode 64 after that. I know I'm plum tuckered out, like Mr. Knightley after a 20-mile run at Green Lake. Uh, this is TBTL News Talk 710 Cairo. So that was Jen Andrews, uh, Pet Owner of the Year, <laughs> along with Jason and an in-studio Mr. Knightley, <laughs> uh, who apparently needs to lose a few pounds. Do you know if they ever get that picture of him with the headphones on? No, I wish they did. I have never seen And that's... The saddest part to me about listening to these old episodes, besides the fact that Jen's not on the show now, yeah. is that when they reference something being on MyNorthwest.com or that they're going to try to put something up, it's gone, it's gone. to the ages. Oh, I was going to ask you guys if there was some hidden art trove of that, because when I first had gone back listening to all of them, I would furiously click back through the blog posts that when they, you know, because 2010, it was still up there. But now it's sad. It's hard. You know, they, they speak about so many photos they put up. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I would love, I'd kill to see that now. What? No. Yeah. Uh, Cindy, you mentioned earlier that you have a child whom you'll leave with pretty much anyone. Oh, you know what, Bobby? You know what? And, <laughs> you stop it. You shut your and, mouth, man. And, uh, and a husband who's uh, abroad a lot. But uh, what's your pet situation? Oh, okay. Well, that is my other child. My pet situation, it's sadly only one now. I got my dog, Clover. She's a cocker spaniel, poodle mix, cockapoo, as we'd like to call it. Oh, adorable. She is a 14 years old. She is the last of the three that we had when I was, you know, growing up. Um, she is, she is just, you know, the highlights of her day are just trying to steal food from my kid and, you know, just begging. So that's, that's about it. Hmm. That's, that's my dog situation. I, I love animals. I used to volunteer with the Michigan Humane Society. I am very passionate about that. I don't want to talk about whether cats should be outside or not. I don't, you know, that's not my... I don't, you know, I don't want to cause a rift with anybody. I got that covered. I'll cause. I know. I saw your comment on the Stens page, and I was like, "Ooh, yeah, yeah." They're like, "Oh, but I can't." And someone was like, "Well, I keep my cat outside." You're, like, and everyone's like, "Ooh, mm. well, okay." <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'll I don't have a cat. That. Yeah, no, I love. I love cats. I just don't have one. I have, you know, I. How do you keep them off your counters, guys? How does that happen? Uh, you don't. Okay, see so that there's my That's there's my, my issue. <laughs> I, I actually am like diagnosed with OCD, so like I, I have a real issue with that because otherwise I love cats. I think they're phenomenal animals. It's just like oh, I can't. You cook can them. train them, um, but I think what you what it does is it trains them to not go on the counters when you're looking. Ugh, those yeah. sneaky animals. Yeah, yeah. Cats do whatever they want mm-hmm. all the time unless they're humoring you. I am. They're so great That's though. It. Okay, so that's my that's my pet situation. I, I grew up, <laughs> we had a lot of animals in the house growing up. So I had a bunny and birds, and we actually, my mother still has our, our white dove, who is a, my sister got in kindergarten, who's like 26. What? 
Yeah, he's living forever. Wow. Occasionally, he'll just fall off his perch <laughs> just from, like, being senile. He's got, like, one cataract, but, yeah. I had no idea doves could live that long. We did not know either. My stepdad plays trumpet to him. Apparently, I think that's helping. I have no idea. That's what my mom <laughs> claims, cute. although I think it's, like, the, her way of, like, complimenting my stepdad. Of, like, mm-hmm. oh, you're doing something good for the animals. But, <laughs> but yeah. So that's it. I love I love dogs. So this clip really spoke to me. Good. Uh, and I was curious how you came to this clip and why you picked it. Okay. So, you know, as soon as you guys were like, we're going to have people on the LRB and, you know, submit your clip. I was like, I've got to get the best clip ever. But <laughs> I listen to the archives regularly. So, it, you know, it was hard. I want I, Originally, I really wanted to make sure I got one that Sean was in because I feel like he's such a gem and it's like, you know, he doesn't get enough accolades but then i just eventually when i heard this clip i had just been cycling through them I'm like this is it this is for sure it because it's perfect it's got everything in it even jason so yeah yeah and sean's in there a yeah. tiny bit yeah he's in there a tiny bit <laughs> uh so let's break down this clip a little bit um we talked about it earlier at the start but jen uh has taken mr knightley into the vet the quote-unquote real vet is out of the country uh, and this is because the dog is crying excessively out of one eye, something that Jen has taken the time to Google. <laughs> my dog is crying. I know. I love that she Googled my dog is my crying, dog. not like like dog tearing up or, right. you know, it's just like my dog is crying. It's such a, like a crying is like the word you use when you're like, it's an emotional thing, yeah. not like the actual like scientific, like, or at least in my understanding. So I thought it was so funny. She's hilarious. Well, and she... What she learned is that he has kidney disease. Or oh, kidney my God. Failure. That was so funny. Not only, like, it's not like she found that on a website. It's like she was reading message boards. And Ugh. it's like, that is so that funny. That is the worst way to learn anything about anything is a message board. If you were a dog with, with kidney failure, you would cry, too. That would be very sad. <laughs> I know, but I love that she did that. But not only did she do that, she went and she told the doctor, I think. Because it's like, if anybody knows what doctors out. love is they love being told what like they don't want any input from the patient they're the professionals my dad's a doctor fyi so yeah they don't need our help with the diagnosis oh yeah no no they know everything so (laughs) the chemistry between luke and jed here is amazing oh i know she says this and he just goes is it possible it was raining on his face (laughs) (laughs) i know and the whole time he's like just lightly chiding her and teasing her yep. and trying to make a, a little window for the possibility that maybe Mr. Knightley is a little too fat. I know. And this is like, this is like foreshadowing so much of what's happening now with Pod Dog. It's like, I know. you yep. know, it's like you could take Jen where she is in that clip and put Luke in him because like, you know, I don't know, six months ago it was like, oh, no, he's not or she's not fat. Rudy's not fat. She's, you know, she just has this really tiny head. And this well, big body. Didn't didn't he start out introducing her as a sixty five pound yellow lab? Yeah, what is and she up to now? We've recently found out she 80. is eighty pounds. She is huge. Yeah, she is. I mean I just what yeah. my experience with dog is that there's some dogs that just love eating and there's some dogs that don't care yeah. that much about it. Yeah. And I think Rudy's the former for sure. Yep. Uh so the vet lays down what he sees as the cold hard truth with Quote, if you really want to know what's wrong with your dog, he's fat. <laughs> it's not the best bedside manner. No. I don't think I, yeah. It's, that's really the funny that he would just say he's fat. Like, not like, although going forward in the clip, he does sound like a gem of a man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Well, you know, uh, cutting straight to the point was what he majored in at Judgment Tech. <laughs> it's funny because, like, people, I, I, you know, people with their animals, it's like telling them your animal's fat is like, that's like cuts right to the heart. It's like telling them their kid's fat and no one would do that. Well, and it clearly hurt her feelings a great oh, deal. I, well, she gives him a mug and a half. I mean, she yeah. knows how much he's eating. So. Right. Yeah. A mug. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> a mug. Uh, I did a quick Google uh, search, not of my dog is crying, although I did that earlier. And by the way, it's just all YouTube videos of crying dogs now. <laughs> like, but Aww. funny, like they're trying to be funny. But I found an old My Northwest page. The picture link is broken, of course. But it is a quick post from Jen, and all it says is, as most of you know, Mr. Knightley visited the studio last week for the discussion of his weight. For the record, I have cut his food intake by half a cup daily. Okay. <laughs> uh, a half a cup a day. So she she tried. So I don't know if that was a cup cup or a mug cup. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that means we're down to one mug a day from one and a half. Yeah, I don't know, Meredith. I know, Bobby, you don't have a dog. I, I don't know if Eddie gets like... I don't, I don't know what his food situation is, but like my, my clover, that's my dog, you know, she's like, we just free feed her because she's has no interest in her food unless like she knows she's not going to get any other treats. So yeah, I know. I don't know if that makes me a bad pet owner. She's not overweight though. She's 14. So I think she's 14. Yeah. Yeah, She's 14. So she, you know, she basically waits and waits and waits to eat her food until she's like, I guess they're going to bed. I'm not going (laughs) to get any more food. But yeah, at, at 14, I'm like, just give her whatever. Just whatever. Wants. Yeah. No. Oh, so yeah. Eddie gets, um, he gets prescribed, not prescribed, not like Ooh. prescription, but he gets very uh, measured amounts of food twice a day. Um, and, and part of that is part of crate training. So Ooh. we were giving him the vast majority when he was a puppy, he was getting all his food from uh, training. So we would just put kibble in a little pouch. And by the end of the day, the kibble had to be gone and he had to earn it. Basically he had to, to, to do stuff to earn his food. Um, but as part of crate training, the trainer suggested we feed him small meals in his crate so that he learns that his crate is a happy place where nice things happen like food and treats and things like that. So we've continued that he gets, um, he doesn't need as much training anymore now that he's a little over a year. Um, but he still gets two meals a day, pretty closely measured meals. And when we give him a lot of treats, if we're doing, if we're going to school that day, we reduce his food, uh, proportionally so as not to overfeed him. And cause that's really easy to do when you just have a bag of food at your side to just feed the dog constantly, um, and feed him too much. And when he goes to school, we, we give him pork chops, tiny, tiny little piece of pork chops. <laughs> and, uh, I have seen I, these pork chops I was in, steamed, steamed in the instant pot. That's right. And my, then oh cut my into the tiniest little, the tiniest little cubes. Yep. Oh my goodness. And it's just to, you know, it's just tiny little piece of food to reinforce whatever good thing he's doing. Um, and he loves them. So it, it's motivating for him. So that's kind of been our whole training strategy. It's also uh, treat training like Jen was talking about. Um, but yeah, so uh, I actually recently did take him to the vet for his checkup and I, it was a very similar situation. It was a, my not, not my regular vet. She was on a maternity leave. And so it was another vet and she didn't say he was fat. She, and he's not fat, but what she did say very tactfully was he shouldn't gain any more weight. Oh, no. (laughs) She said, there's a few vets here who might say he needs to lose a couple pounds, but I just would say don't let him gain any more weight. So I've had to be a little more careful with his amount of food. We reduced it a tiny bit, and we've been giving him fewer treats. Although he does love a bull penis, and uh, I still let him have those. 
Oh my goodness. Is it organic, Meredith? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> um, he gets bully sticks. And uh, oh. so he gets one of those after he takes his medicine in the morning. Um, and it occupies him for a while. I, I initially started giving those to him when he was a puppy because it would keep him busy for a while. So I could like work or something. Um, but now he gets them just because it's kind of a habit and he likes them and it's good for his teeth. So he chews on that for maybe an hour before it's gone. He loves wow, them. You sound like an excellent dog owner. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, uh, just so you get the cat perspective from my side, since it's just yeah, cupcake Bobby, here. what do you do? She has an automatic feeding machine. Oh, okay. It has a hopper, and twice a day she gets a, a set amount of food. Um, and it took us a long time to get her to not eat every last little bite of it the minute she could and then try to take more. She had the same scarcity concerns, I think, that Luke had growing up in a house full of children. Mm-hmm. Um, she's finally to the point where food can sit for a little while, and maybe even there'll be a little left in the bowl when the next meal comes out. But it kind of all evens out. And she's comfortable with that now, which is good because we had a lot. Her weight has gone up and down since we got her. And at first it was good it had gone up because she was scrawny. Uh, but it reached the point where she was getting too big and then we had to kind of level her off and we're there now. But it has to be the machine for us because our schedules are weird. And we want her to be trusting that it's reliable, that she will always get her food at a certain time at a certain amount. The minute the machine dies, if the battery dies or something, we have to hand feed her for a couple of days. We have to reset all that, and it takes a couple of weeks for her to get used to it again. Oh, Poor yeah. cupcake. Yeah, she clearly – I mean, so we, I always say we rescued her. I don't want to feel like some sort of hero, but, like, <laughs> I kind of am. You're like those parents uh, that keep the, like, the locks over the fridge and, like, the, you know, yeah. the, the, the well, poor starved children – Aren't ravaging the food once right. they finally or realize. Just, yeah, they have or enough. just keeping Duff out of the snack cabinet. Oh. I do have yeah, a Meredith, snack that is, that is the most hilarious thing. Every time you <laughs> say that, I'm like, what? <laughs> well, you know, he, uh, uh, I don't want to put him on blast too hard, but if there's a snack in his uh, line of vision, it doesn't go to waste. Oh, you got to keep him on his grind. I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. This was his idea. Oh, that's so cute that you two do that for each other. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the automatic feeder rules the day in our house. And I think she loves us insofar as she knows that we change the batteries and fill the hopper. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah. Um, one more Luke chiding uh, Jen and Mr. Knightley quote. Not that you can prank an animal, but... <laughs> He wants to get Mr. Knightley on mic, and he says that the microphone that they usually use for push-ups can be used. And then he just says, maybe tell him the mic is made of peanut butter. <laughs> I know. Fat people love that. Oh, I don't know if I – oh, my God. Luke. I know. You know, it's funny because in the early years, Luke would – if you go listen back now, you're like, ooh. Luke says some stuff where you're like, ooh, I wouldn't yeah. – I don't know if I would listen he to you now. It, he said it sarcastically enough that I think it was both funny and a nice twist because peanut butter would have been funny on its own. I know. Yeah, yeah. But my point still uh, stands. Luke yeah, said some yes. some some stuff where you're like, there's been a real progression of Luke. Yep. Yeah, we've watched him grow up. We just had to get him to realize that kids should use helmets when they ride their bikes. That's the next hurdle. Have we? Have we convinced him of that yet? Oh, I don't think so. Well, he's not on Facebook. He didn't see any of those stories, so probably yeah. Not. And then if Andrew tapering off his Facebook, we'll never get to them, right? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we haven't mentioned this doctor's name yet, have we? Doctor Jerkington. 
He's and in. at He's some point, to her. To the third. yeah, at some point, Luke adds a third to his name. I know that's hilarious. <laughs> what I think is funny on this is that they're like, like Jen's just really hung up. Like five pounds, that doesn't make somebody overweight. But she's like clearly thinking like five pounds on a human, a human, yeah. Whereas like five pounds on an animal, that's like a different. That's kind of different, the kind of percentage wise. And she's so funny, yeah, right? Like, well, it's like yeah, it's like fifteen pounds on a human I, or twenty pounds on yeah, a human. No, yeah, no, it's 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 much more. And then, and then she's like, "Oh, come feel him, come feel his ribs." And of course, Luke is like, "Yeah, no, I, I'm sure Wayne Cody, we could you know, feel his ribs eventually <laughs> if we just stuck our fingers in deep enough." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's really the technical way to see if an animal is yeah, overweight. No, no. She's just, she's so funny. She, you know, it's like when she thinks she's right, she's right, and it's oh, like yeah. everybody else be yeah. damned about it. She's not budging. I'm Sorry, Aiden. Uh, if we could take this to the bedroom for a moment. Oh yeah, uh, the sexy times. Uh, the sexy times, and just the fact that uh, uh, Jason, who is a tall fella. And uh, Jen, who is not short, oh, no. uh, share a queen bed. Yeah, that's amazing in itself that they share it a queen. I'm, yeah, and then put the dog in the middle. Yeah, my husband and I are short people. Like, I'm 5'1", and my husband's like 5'9 on a good day. And like, a queen and then with our kid in between, which I'll say is a proxy for nightly, like, no way. I can't yeah. even imagine being like a huge, like a tall person and having that. We had a queen bed when we first got married, and that did not last very long. I think it was like a few months later, and I was like, we can't. This is not going to (laughs) continue. So we got Uh, a king. We finally tossed the queen bed. It's now in the uh, recording studio offices right behind me, actually. Uh, We just couldn't do it anymore. And I I put my foot down and said, we need a new bed, and we need it to be a king-size bed. You have your, your mattress in your recording studio, your spare mattress? Well, you know, it's that kind of recording studio. Oh my goodness! Uh, it's uh, it doubles as the guest room oh. now. The bed is in here with the frame with a box spring. It's not just a mattress on the floor. What I was thinking is you could just toss it outside and then take a picture like Jeremy does. Like, hey, there's a mattress on the floor. <laughs> Things are happening here. The magic about Lake City is that you don't need to put your mattress out there. Someone's beaten you to it. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, just that little awkward moment about the animals watching the lovemaking. She's so funny. I don't watch him poop. <laughs> and she calls it uh, when the romance starts. Right. And Jason seemed to protest a little bit. The romance. They're so funny together. <laughs> we have just recently started letting Eddie sleep in the bed every once in a while. Um, he's tiny, so it doesn't really... Um, Wait, under the sheets or over the sheets? Um... Both. He starts out underneath because he likes to snuggle and he likes to be under the blankets. Um, And usually I I try to get him to, uh, you know, Duff sleeps like a dead person. So if the dog's going to move around or whatever itch, then it's going to not, it's not going to wake him up. It's going to wake me up. So I try to, if we're going to do this, he starts over next to Duff um, on the far side of the bed. And, but by the morning, this is what happened the other night. I woke up and he was against, he was sleeping against my back. (laughs) <laughs> so he had climbed over Duff and gotten out of the blankets and come kind of slept by me. So it's adorable, although he's a black dog and we have white sheets. And I didn't realize how much he shed until we started doing this. So I've <laughs> got to institute a better brushing protocol, I think. No, I, my dog, oh, poor Clover, she used to sleep, sleep in the bed. And then I got married to a person that's, um, I wouldn't say he's a super animal person, 
So that, but then she, you know, so she got kind of kicked off the bed and then, um, she, you know, got old and she got kind of incontinent. So she takes some medicine now for that, but you Mm -hmm. know, no one wants to wake up and step on a, you know, some pee. So she's now downstairs. She has my daughter's old uh, mattress from her crib that she has with a, like another dog bed and a cow, you know, she, she has it, but I feel, still feel kind of bad because, you know, she used to have the bed. That's exactly what we did with Molly. Uh, when we got married, I kicked her out of the bed because it was a queen again, and she was a 75-pound dog uh, and not fat at all. She was very lean, and uh, there was absolutely no way that the two of us and the dog were going to be sleeping on a queen-size bed. So I, Duff guilted me about that for a while, um, but I was, I was pretty firm in my, in my position there. You know, compromises have to happen. Yeah, yeah. We don't have a door to our bedroom. Um, our bedroom area is the whole upstairs of our little house, and we took the door off the hinges upstairs Ooh. because we, well, it was, it was sexy. falling apart. <clears throat> yeah, the whole house is just, you know, open. There's, a, there's a bed in the recording studio, the whole upstairs is a bedroom. Um, it's like a swinger still sort of, there, Bobby. It's sort of, yeah, if if Sam listens to one episode of LRB, let it be this. Oh, so I'm, I'm so sorry. laugh at how far off we are. Now, <laughs> Uh, so you go upstairs, and it used to be two rooms, but it's our bedroom on one side and dressing room on the other now, because they're not big. And uh, there's really no way to keep the cat out. And so Cupcake sleeps on Sam's head. Yeah. Oh, that's my she, fear. She just does. There's no way to stop it. Sam will scooch down, put another pillow above her head, sometimes try to move Cupcake off of her, but just every 30 seconds she's back. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't care about me. And if I'm home without Sam, she'll sleep on Sam's pillow, but not on me. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Sam's head, but. Does she, does she uh, ever urinate in the closets to show her no, irritation no. at you? No. No, Cupcake uh, has never once, except for in occasional medical distress, uh, had accidents outside of, or intentionals, I guess, outside of her litter box. God bless her. Um, from the minute we brought her home, Sam just showed her where the box was the first day, and she was good. Yeah. We've moved it a few times, too, and she just gets it. She doesn't want to pee anywhere Yeah, my else. cats are great about that, too. They don't do anything they're not really supposed to do in that arena. The Wait, worst they it, do is get on counters. Does Eddie try to get to the... the- the, the litters uh-huh. uh he did a few times when he was a puppy um and we talked to the trainer about that and i had put a baby gate there um with so the problem with those baby gates you know that have the little hole that a mm-hmm. cat can get through he he can get through those so yeah, i was I like he's how yeah, are you gonna do this he's not much bigger than a cat so what i did was i i, I raised it up just enough so a cat could squeeze underneath it but he couldn't so yeah yeah, we stopped, that's how we stopped that, and I have taken that down, and he hasn't shown any interest in it. So the, the trainer said he could probably grow out of it, and I think, I think he has, which is good, good because that was disgusting. No, no. I remember growing up, we had a golden, my Snickers, and um, we had a cat at a certain point in time. And, you know, we, we even had the cat box with, like, the cat thing on top, mm-hmm. like, the door in, and, like, you would just catch him with his, like, head inside. <laughs> it was just like, oh. It's so gross. You're going to kiss me with that mouth. No. Yep. And I want to say that we feed our animals very good quality food. So I, you know, it's not just the food. Some well, dogs you know, are just gross. Another thing that the that the trainer said is she said, because Eddie was eating whatever he found outside too, including oh. probably Molly's. And, and she said, well, what are you feeding Molly? And I was like, well. I thought you f- meant like the drug. I'm like, no. Are there Molly's littered in your yeah. yard, Meredith? I just leave my drugs in the lawn. I know there's a bug problem down there. <laughs> um. 
he was eating her poop. I'm trying to avoid oh. saying that. But and so we asked the trainer and she said, well, so if you're feeding her good food, um, it's possible that what's coming out of her is just more good food. Right. Oh, like, well, sorry. Oh, my God. Oh. I mean, what's the solution there? I'm not going to start feeding her like, you know, alley cat or whatever the right, dog no, equivalent no, no. of that is. So right. you, some, you just sort of have to some hope dog he grows out of there. it. Yeah. No. yeah. Oh. Lovely. Dogs are disgusting. They are so disgusting. The I don't know. You know, left the glow sticks behind. That's good. <laughs> do you, Meredith, do you let Eddie lick your face? Do you do you get weirded out about that? Or are you fine? With I that? don't love it. I, you know, I was not the natural dog person. Duff's a dog person. What? I'm a cat person. Oh, I know okay. it's all cha- well. It's all flipped now. It's you totally fooled changed. me. Mm. Well, I know it's it's been a recent conversion, and it, you know, having Eddie since a puppy and being so involved in his training. I didn't meet Molly until she was a few years old. Um, oh, that's why Duff was trying to guilt you about the bed. Yeah, thing. yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, that's okay. No, I now. No, I get yeah, it. we didn't get married until she was like four or five or something. Um, so yeah, I've recently become the dog person. He every once in a while I will let him do that, but knowing what he eats, I'm not crazy about it. Yeah, no, my dog like she likes to lick my daughter's face, and I mean any face really. And mm-hmm. maybe there's like the sodium content of her skin. I I don't know what it is. Maybe the extra like trace amounts my kid can't wipe off herself you know from her food but it's like i don't know i grew up like that's normal that's fine but my my husband is like horrified by it like he gets really upset by it i'm not horrified by it and it's probably good for her immune system anyway yeah no she's so healthy as a horse my kid yeah no but so actually um one of the the things that my uh i work for henry ford hospital i'm sure you're familiar with them no i my kid actually used to go to the daycare attached to that yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. So one of the research projects that, that my department is doing is about um, asthma and allergy. We do a lot of research mm-hmm. in that arena. And one of the things that we've found is we've studied um, this cohort of kids since before they were born. So we recruited pregnant women and have been following these kids. Now they're like in their 20s. And what we found is that the ones who have animals that go in and out, um, like into the backyard, like a dog, and then come back inside, the, the kids have less asthma and less allergies. You know, and I've read stuff like that. So that's like part of it's like, it should, it's good. It's good for her immune system. Yeah. But I'm like, I see my dog eat something gross. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's limits to it, right? Yeah. And it's not 100%. It's not like a one-to-one. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't think it's on the whole a bad thing to have your kid well, exposed to that stuff. Keep letting her lick her then. Yeah. I hope my husband never hears this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh, abroad right now. He, yeah, no, he can't. Well, he he can't know. get the podcast in Germany. No, definitely not. Uh, with that, do we have anything else we want to touch on from this clip? Mm, no, the only thing actually that I wanted to touch on was the limit about how much you'd spend for your animal. Because to me, it's so funny. It's like Jen is like so wholly involved in Nightly, but she's so pragmatic at the same time. And she's like, mm-hmm. she's like, I love him so much, but. You know, you come across this threshold and we're done. And I find that so interesting about her. It is interesting, but I wonder if... So we've had those discussions too, and especially with Molly um, being sick towards the last, I don't know, probably year, six months of her life, she was going to the vet a lot. And we did kind of had to come up with a dollar amount, but it t- we blew it out of the water. I mean... It's so hard. Yeah, when when they say, it, we didn't really have any indication that she was she was near the end of her life. We knew she was sick, and we knew she was twelve. It, you know, she wasn't super mm-hmm. duper she's old. She's a big dog, but yeah. and she's a big dog. Yeah, but there, nobody thought that that this was the end. And so we were like, well, everything we're doing is going to contribute to a better quality of life for her. So of course we're going to do it. 
Um, so we came up with a budget and it just got destroyed. <laughs> it's it's so hard because it's like you wouldn't put a price. I mean, like obviously dogs aren't children and, you know, I have a child, so I know that. But it's like you wouldn't put a price on, on like how much you'd want to spend. But obviously I don't have health insurance for my dog. So it's like right. it's, you kind really of have to out of at the a bank and you have to. And it's yeah. so difficult. I know. I know. And we've got a cat too. We've got a 17-year-old cat who has um, – five different heart medications that he's on now oh my goodness uh i have to give him pills twice a day and i have to put special powders in his food and and all this stuff and it's the same situation this cat i mean he's probably got better health care than a lot of people in the united states which is a very sad state of affairs he gets uh chest x-rays every year and he gets ekgs and and echoes and all this stuff um and it's another thing where he's fine like he has a great quality of life i can't not do it i can i can spend the money so i do and he's fine it's so. funny. My yeah, my dog was I think was eight when we got mar- married or nine. I don't know. And it was like I, the first time I took her to the vet, and they were like, "Well, they're old age, so let's run all these new blood tests on them just to see where they are." And of course, me being like, "Yeah, of course, I love my dog. Let's run them." And then like we get the bill, and it's like five hundred dollars. Yes. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then my husband was like, just as not an animal person, was like, "What the yeah." So I'm not allowed to do that anymore. Yeah. Well, this happened with Cupcake uh, just a couple of months ago. She was in some physical distress, and it clearly looked like she had a, a UTI, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of dropped what I was doing and took her to the vet because I just couldn't handle seeing her look uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so I took her that morning. I got an opening right away, and we went and we ran all the tests, and they sold me special food and gave her fluids, and she was good after that. And it was good that she got the fluids and took care of her and some, you know, a couple of shots. Uh, but all the extra tests and the extra food, Sam just looked at me after she used to work in a vet, uh, in a veterinary clinic before she did what she does now. And she said, we're not getting, we're not giving her the food. <laughs> this is, this is ridiculous. She had a UTI. It happens once in a while. Mm-hmm. She does not have a chronic history of this happening all the time. And this was another situation where it wasn't our real vet. It was the other vet in the practice who was like, we need to change her entire lifestyle immediately. Right. And sure enough we didn't we put her back on our regular food two days later and she's been fine um but i ran up a couple hundred dollars in tests oh yeah because i just couldn't say no to wanting to make sure she was going to be okay in the moment yeah you know i've got another minor story about a vet who's not a regular vet doing something crazy um when this must have been two or two three years ago um, Molly started limping a little bit, um, and one of her paws we noticed had a little spot on it. Um, and so we took her in, and the spot got bigger and bigger, like in the couple of days that we were waiting for the appointment to roll around, and we were getting alarmed, and she was limping more and more. And we took her in, and, the, and, and our regular vet wasn't available for some reason, and this other vet, who actually owned the practice, said, oh my gosh, I think this is cancer. We're going to have to amputate her toe. Mm. And we were like, oh no. And... So we thought about it for a while and we're like, well, I mean, if it's cancer, it seemed to be growing really fast. Um, I guess we should. So we scheduled it. And in the meanwhile, I think I brought her back in for a recheck sometime that week or something. And my regular vet was back and she happened to see me there and she got nosy and looked at what was going on in the chart. And she called me that later that day and she said, don't have that toe removed. That's not cancer. That's a wart. Oh, my goodness. Whoa. And I was like, oh, thank you so much for being nosy. <laughs> I mean, she saved her toe from being amputated and saved us a $1,200 surgery. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's hard when there's so much variability in care and, yeah. um, I don't know. It is. But shout out to regular vets, man. Yeah, forget these off... <laughs> these off-brand off vets. Flopping. Yeah. <laughs> these angry vets. These Dr. Jerkingtons all over the place. They're not real vets for a reason. <laughs> I have to say, though, Jen had a point where, like, uh, she he wouldn't get on the floor with Nightly. And I don't, I've had big dogs, and any vet that I think, you know, I don't know, is worth their salt would try to accommodate a dog, especially an older dog. Yeah, make, make, make him get, get on, on the, the table. table. They do. They, my vet will go get on the floor for, for Eddie, and he's, you know, cat-sized. <laughs> Eddie's got the funniest legs. He really does. <laughs> he's a stubby little guy. All right. I think it's time to move into housekeeping, Meredith. I think so. Um, don't forget about our Wagons Full of Loot contest. Every show that you archive, it enters you into a raffle and we draw one every month, and you could be the next winner of a wagon full of loot. One of us hosts puts together a random assortment of goodies for you and ships it to your house. Um, if you're going to be shopping on Amazon, use our link. It's littleredbadwagon.com slash Amazon. Sends us a few pennies for everything that you buy, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. And keep your eye on our website. We've got some exciting new things coming. I'm not going to tell you what you what they are, but I bet you can guess. <laughs> Uh, and you'll find all that at littleredbandwagon.com. On Facebook, we're at Little Red Bandwagon. We also pop up here and there in the Stens page, for better or for worse. The show Twitter is LRB Podcast. And Sydney, should people find you? Could people find you? Where can people find you? Well, Bobby, they can find me on Facebook. at um, Just search my name, Sydney McElroy. I'm friends with Bobby, and I, I think I'm friends with Meredith. Yeah, I don't know. I think so. You will be I'm definitely friends with Meredith, my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a Twitter, but I don't use it, so that's worthless. And I guess you can find me on LinkedIn that Bobby did. Let's, I did, let's network. I, I couldn't connect with you, so you're just going to get a creepy email saying that somebody was speaking. Oh, I love that. Email. That's the best part of LinkedIn. <laughs> Excellent. You can email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. And with that, Meredith, why don't you get us out of here? Until next time, this is the next party. And we love you, Jen. You really are the pet owner of the year. I'm supposed to say nailed it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Nailed it! Hey, this is Matt Hasselbeck. You're listening to, no, what is this, Too Beautiful to Live? Yeah, I don't know that one. On News Talk 710 Cairo.